Every week, Hillsdale College President Larry Arn joins Hugh Hewitt to discuss great books, great men, and great ideas. This is the Hillsdale Dialogues, presented by Hillsdale College. To find more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, and Ricochet. Morning, glory, America. Bonjour, hi, candidates. Hugh Hewitt. I began the week in Wyoming. Thank you to Ed Morrissey, who sat in for me Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But I came back yesterday. I'm here, of course, for the Hillsdale Dialogue. This is the ninth episode in a 10-episode series on the ethics. Dr. Arn led 12 Hillsdale College students through Aristotle's ethics a year or plus ago up at Hillsdale, and they used four cameras to shoot it. The video is quite amazing. I hope you've downloaded the Salem News Channel so you can watch along or go find and binge watch and listen the entire course because it's a good way to learn how to teach. It's a great way to learn Aristotle's ethics. One of the most important books that you can master, and if not master, at least dive into and no better teacher in America than Dr. Larry Arn. All things Hillsdale are collected at hillsdale.edu. Uh, including the last eight episodes that we've done on the ethics, and today is episode nine, all the way back, almost 500 episodes now over many years with Dr. Arn and his colleagues at Hillsdale. All things Hillsdale are found at hillsdale.edu, and I really want to encourage you, hillsdale.edu, go sign up for Imprimus, go find this and many of the other video courses there. If you're a charter school aficionado, find out how the Hillsdale Charter Schools can provide you with the curriculum to supercharge the learning in the classical model for all of your students. And there are lots of other wonderful things there, the series on Churchill, the series on the Constitution, the series on the progressive movement. They're all over at hillsdale.edu, as are applications for your rising senior. If you're a rising senior or you're the parents of a rising senior and you want to attend Hillsdale, then go and get the application finally. You generous donors out there, stop giving money to higher education institutions that have run off the tracks. Give it to Hillsdale, and they need it at hillsdale.edu. So here we go. Part number nine of Dr. Learn Teaching the Ethics, segment one. Take it away. People love the passages on friendship because we're lovers. You know, the word for friendship is philia, like philanthropy, the love of man. We love, and so... We want someone to love. Remember, our innermost specific defining trait is also an outward trait. And we want to share that with people. And it's not just true in those highest kinds of friendship that you take enormous benefit from that. You also take enormous benefit from doing enormous benefit. And of course, people want that. Why would it be important that a virtue involves more than one person from the point of view of Aristotle's political philosophy? Since we're, like, by nature, social animals, by nature, we're going to congregate in communities and be with other people. Um, And so part of that, there should obviously be, like, some sort of virtues or something towards other people as well. Good. And that's right. And so it's a big step when uh, you take up justice and it says that's for others, always involves others. It's for you too, but it always involves others. And so now uh, we leave that for a minute and then we come back in this chapter on friendship. What's the relationship between friendship and justice? 
friendship's higher. Why is it higher? Because you don't concern yourself with justice among friends. If a friend wrongs you, you don't look to retributive justice. You don't look to find justice for the wrong that was done. You look to something higher, which is the good of the friendship. Yes, Natalie. Um, kind of going off of that, Aristotle says that uh, you don't need justice when you have friendship, but you still need friendship when you have justice. So we have just relations among us, right? So uh, you give me something worth a dollar, and I give you a dollar. And that keeps it equal. And if I give you 50 cents, I've taken something from you, and if you give me a dollar fifty worth, and, and I give you two dollars, you've taken something from me. Right. And justice is concerned about that. Friendship is concerned about what? So it depends on the kind of friendship. Tell us the kinds. Um, so the, the first kind is just the useful friendship. So you have a relationship of, like, each of you is getting something out of it, like, the, like with a merchant or something. Um, I give you $10 and you give me... A cow, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, and if, you do that, uh, if you do that even once, you wouldn't, in a free country, you wouldn't exchange if you don't, don't find benefit in it, both. And that means that you're doing something for each other. And even just once, that's fine. Now, if you do it on an ongoing basis, then you're even coming to rely on each other. And so you can see why that would be in the category of friendship. What's the next kind? Uh, the next kind's the, the friendship of pleasure. Yeah, explain about that. I don't know, you like hanging out together, you do a fun thing, play chess mm-hmm. together or something. I know, you do whatever gives both of you pleasure. And uh, which is more lasting, use utility or pleasure friendships? Pleasure. Why would that be, do you think? Because the utility friendship as as the second it achieves what it was meant to do, it's, it's over. When, like with the merchant that he said, as soon as you pay the money and get the product, that friendship ends. So which kind of friendship does he say the young are most given to? Pleasure. Definitely pleasure. Why? Well, because we uh, have more of the, the joys of the youth, you know, our, our bodies are young, we think we're immortal. That's very much um, wanting to seize the day in that way. And one of the aspects of uh, one's body being in good form is uh, you can really feel the pleasures. Young really like that. And that's, but that's more enduring than use, the useful. And if you think about it for a minute, it's more attentive to the friend. Because, you know, forgetting all that stuff about youth and bodies and all that stuff, aren't there just people you just find delightful? Just glad to see them, even if you don't get to know them very well. And uh, you just, you know, there are people who are charming. When you see somebody like that, that's good. And you enjoy that. And you're drawn to that. It's the reason you shouldn't go around growling at people all the time. <laughs> like me. And, uh, and uh, they... Uh, and so... Something about that person is attractive to you, and not something that person does for you. And uh, so that's a kind, and that tends to be a lasting kind. The third is what, Kate? It's like the friendship between um, people who are alike in virtue, he says, and who wish good things for one another. 
Now, explain that. Uh, why is that different from just a pleasure friendship? Friendships of pleasure aren't bad per se, but there's something where it's still about my gratification, just like the friendship of utility is like, I have to make sure that there's something that I'm receiving in this friendship. And even with pleasure, it's kind of like once this person ceases to give me pleasure, I may abandon them or end the friendship. Down. Yeah, it seems to me to be much more uh, the, the complete friendship or the, the third sort of friendship is like two people in parallel tracks heading towards the same end, right? So both are pursuing this thing, so which I, I think Aristotle would argue is the good, right? And in that way, having one of those complete and true friendships is good for us because we will admire that in someone else. We can see it because we are also going towards pursuing this thing. And it also, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and I think it also pertains more to virtue, he would say, because it's more of a choice. Like we were saying with like the young, like the emotions are something that come upon us and that this other person's presence like yes. brings upon us, but that's changeable. Whereas in a friendship of virtue, you're like deliberately choosing to pursue the good life with this person. Mm-hmm. There's more to love in such a friendship. Because do you feel a calling, something you're called to do? Do you feel like your life has a purpose? Everybody, you know, kids who want to go to law school, uh, they often have an idea of a kind of law they want to do. And it might be that they want to go in the courtroom and argue. And those tend to be kids who also want to rule eventually. And then there are kids and they want to go represent the poor and stop human trafficking. And it's a calling. And you love that. And eventually, if you have a rich life, you will respond to that calling for a long time. Now you meet somebody who has the same kind of thing. And you love the calling. And now you've got a person to love who represents it too. And also, it enriches the thing if there's somebody else. You can understand it better. You can talk about it. And so that kind of friendship is very close. That's it for segment one of part nine of the Hillsdale Dialogue. So good to be back up at Studio North. But we will continue on. Three more segments in part nine. Don't go anywhere, America. Welcome back, America. When Hillsdale Dialogue got a hold of the video course of Dr. on Teaching 12, Hillsdale seniors were adopting it to radio. And you really ought to be watching it on the Salem News Channel. It's great to listen to, too. But I will tell you this, the four-camera shoot's quite remarkable. And if you want to watch it all in one place, head over to hillsdale.edu and start over from the beginning. You've caught bits and pieces. You've made a note to yourself to go back and watch it all. This is segment two of part nine. There are only 10 parts, so the penultimate segment is underway. Enjoy it and come right back. I'll talk to you a little bit more after part two of part nine on the ethics. When you meet somebody like that, for the same reason that you're thinking of giving your life to something you love, some beautiful thing, you think of giving it to the friend, too, for the same reason and to the same amount. That's a reinforcing and inspiring And also, it's helpful to the understanding because now you can discuss it. And there's two minds working on it, two souls working on it. So that kind of friendship is, that's the thing. One of the two most important things in the Nicomachean Ethics, in my little opinion. 
The other one is the subject of our last discussion. So it goes beyond justice. Let's talk about that. Why does it do that? It's beyond the exchanges. But can you think of another way in which it differs or other ways? Well, I think also just more fundamentally, you wouldn't be able to have justice without friendship because of the way that Aristotle understands it as going down to just the useful relationships. So the polis is more fundamental than the relationship of justice because you need other people to be just too. We should refine that point a little bit because just remember uh, different nations have very different ideas of justice. There is a binding together that happens in justice and it is powerful. Nobody enjoys four-hour speeches by communist leaders, but I enjoy reading about them. And one of the things you learn is that uh, President Xi, for example, the Chinese guy, uh, has lately been proclaimed leader for life. And that happened at a Communist Party conference, and he was on the stage talking for six hours. There's a really great account of it in the, in the Western press. And uh, he was repeatedly interrupted by rapturous and tear-laden demonstrations of joy at his presence. Now, that's different, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and and uh, what can account for it? I mean, first of all, force, right? The second thing is, there's a kind of a doctrine that the party gets its prestige because it represents the utopian hopes of the future. And justice, then, is rapturous applause at the dullest dang speeches ever given in history, and they go on a long time. Those are different claims of justice. And millions of people are capable of loyalty to those things. And those things bind them together. Justice is powerful. And that means friendship must be something more powerful. Uh, Now, Gill said a good thing when he said that uh, even in a just city, even in a city that has justice, which I would argue the People's Republic of China does not. Uh, Aristotle says that's not enough. Friendship binds the city together. How does it do that? There's large numbers of people who have uh, virtuous souls and bind together in the highest kind of friendship of virtue? Or does it include all of the forms that make that happen? It seemed like it definitely include all the forms, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So, like, the friendship of utility, that's kind of the basis of, like, markets and, like, the economic exchange that would go on, um, that could only go on in a city. And then, obviously, you would have ones of pleasure and friendship or in the highest sense as virtue as well. Don't go anywhere, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. I am going to be right back from Studio North. Welcome back, America. Hugh Hewitt from Studio North. Penultimate America. That means second to last, you Steelers fans. Hugh Hewitt from Studio North. About a year and a half ago, Dr. Arn led a graduate, a graduating senior seminar. Twelve seminar students, all seniors at Hillsdale College, gathered around the table at the President's House in Hillsdale. And if you're not watching this on the Salem News Channel, you really ought to. 
And if you've missed some of it, you can go back and watch all 10 episodes at hillsdale.edu. They've got lots of great online courses there, but find the ethics course because it's not an easy book, as we're learning listening to Dr. Arn teach his students about it, but it is a wonderful book. This is the ninth episode in a 10-episode series. They took hours and hours and hours of video. They shrunk it down to 10 episodes of between 30 and 35 minutes each, and we've adapted it for radio thanks to Kyle Mernon and all of his buddies at Hillsdale and the work of Adam and General Lissimo. And I want to tell you, it's really remarkable, and I thank all of you people who are applauding me. Don't applaud me. Applaud Kyle and Adam and Dwayne and, of course, Dr. Arn and these 12 seniors at Hillsdale. And then go for yourself to hillsdale.edu. Say, I want to support this institution. Put me on the Imprimus list. Let me send you a check. Put me on the supporter people. Here we go. To at part three of episode nine of Dr. Larry Arn teaching the ethics to Hillsdale College students. How many close friends do you have? Ten? Five? Three? Three or four. Three. How many people do you know here on the campus? <laughs> do you know them all? I know about a third of the students by name. And uh, anytime we see large gatherings of students and their faculty members around, I'll ask them how many they know by name. And they don't know a huge amount more than I know. I hang around here enough to kind of pick it up. Uh, but uh, you sort of know all of each other. And uh, a few much better and a considerable number kind of in your circle, right? And yet, maybe there's some kind of friendship here that makes us just assume when we see each other that we're part of a common project. In a city that has both justice and friendship, that would, that would end up influencing things widely. If you're always keeping your sharp eye on who's getting what and whether you're getting your right amount, that actually is divisive. And because uh, there's just a million opportunities for resentment. But if in those cases, and I, I notice it happening around here a lot, and I'm very proud of it, when people get elected to things or picked for homecoming queen, king, and all that, uh, when they get elected senior class officers, uh, you're in my 19th bunch of senior class officers. And uh, it's amazing. You know, they're always good people, although you're the best, of course. And uh, no, they are. And I have to work with them in certain ways. And that means that the students elected people that I find admirable. It makes me feel a relation of friendship to the students. That's why it's so powerful. And it is rooted in this natural sociability of the human being and at the highest level and the highest kind of friendship, which, of course, is not the greatest quantity of it, it is a sharing that's the most profound kind of sharing of all, of all of the kinds that there are. Now, C.S. Lewis writes about friendship that uh, uh, lovers are very interested in each other. They look at each other a lot. And friends might be a little shy at directly looking at each other. Can you think why that might be? He says, yeah, Kate. Well, it seems like for Aristotle, in the highest kind of friendship, it's almost like it's something that you're, there's something that you're gazing at together rather than purely focused on exactly each other. That's exactly what he says. He says that uh, friends are looking at something together and not at each other. If you think this thing is worthy, then you think that person who loves it as you do is worthy. 
And then you're not thinking about how much they're due. You're thinking about what you can give them. Yeah. Can you explain that a little more, the friends not looking at each other but looking at something else together? Because it does seem that with those close friends, I want to know that person um, about you know either their, their marriage or their relationship, about what that person likes, what that person doesn't like, um, how do they think. So in, in that sense, it does seem that I want to look at that person to see how they are. It's a difference of degree. You know, I'm an old man, and I've been very blessed in my life with my friendships. Uh, and I work with a bunch of people that I simply adore, and I fancy they me. We're a little shy about what we say to each other. You know, at Christmas and at Thanksgiving and at the end of the year when we tote up the year, or if there's a bad difficulty, we'll sometimes look at each other and the effect of what we say is, you're pretty good and I'm grateful for you. But that's not like uh, what I tell my wife. It is the nature of our relationship that I'm supposed to adore her personally in every way. Right? And, and what we have in common is... Uh, Aristotle talks about marriage here, by the way. And uh, he says that the best marriages become friendships. Uh, my wife and I have that, but we still have our marriage. What did I think when I married her? I thought she was grace itself. I thought, you know, you know she's a very nice person. And she's courteous and uh, kind. And uh, her immediate reaction to people is to be good to them. And I just watched all that, and I just thought, that's just a marvel thing, right? So in other words, she was my subject. <laughs> that's why I took to achieve the great thing of speak, talking her across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> this uh, attraction... You know, when you're young and you have that kind of an attraction for a person and marry that person, that has to change. And it has to change for a million reasons. One of them I can tell you from experience is you do so much work together because you got to raise the kids and you got to make a living and you got to figure it all out, right? And it's just very close relationship for years. If it doesn't change, it'll become boring. And so Aristotle says that the best marriages turn into a friendship. And uh, I think that's very right. Yeah, Kate. Would Aristotle say that, um, like, the highest form of friendship isn't even necessarily a completely different thing than the other ones, but it kind of, like, takes them up into itself and elevates them? And so in a way, like, my interest in looking, like, at my friend could be, like, the, the friendship of pleasure is still there, even while we have this kind of common higher good that we're seeking. And so my interest in them, particularly, is just, like, my delight in their being the person that they are. That's right. Yeah, it includes the others, and it transcends the lower two. And it improves the lower two because of that. It doesn't eliminate them. I mean, like, I can tell you the people I, my closest friends, seven or eight, probably. Uh, and these are people I trust completely, and I study them all the time. But I don't study the way I study my wife. I just look right at her, and it's a different thing. But that made you think I don't learn from them all the time. One of my colleagues, who's worked here for 42 years now, 
one of the hardest working people I ever saw. He wanted me to be the president of the college. And uh, I knew him, and I didn't know him really well, but I knew him, and I knew he was a very excellent man. And it was one of the reasons I thought this might be a good place to be. And uh, he wanted me to be the president of the college. He, I interviewed with all the vice presidents. I say, I sat and had a talk with him. He said, you have to take this job. I said, probably will. He said, you can rely on me. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm loyal and nobody ever outworked me. That's his nature. That's our relationship right there. He's completely trustworthy. He's very high-minded. And uh, he doesn't want notice from anybody except his friends. It's hard to qualify to be that. But if you do, it's, it's a blessed position, see. Well, that ties things together, doesn't it? And, uh, and we all want that and need that and reach a fulfillment in that that is not approachable in any other way. Yep. Do you think there are degrees of friendship between the friendship of pleasure and the complete friendship? Because it seems like there are some friendships that aren't your closest, closest friends, but you're still pursuing the virtuous life together. It's not just a friendship of pleasure. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, uh, and just remember, Aristotle talks a lot in, uh, about friendship. He talks a lot about, what if you don't live together? You know, and that means that uh, the kernel or the potential or the capacity for the friendship persists, but it's not operating. The time that you have to deeply know somebody on this highest level, first of all, there isn't enough time to do that. And remember one of the points about this self-help manual we're reading. We're getting up there in the place where we're talking about the things that we will remember when we're old and about to die as our signal pleasures. And they will be the things that make us weep for the passing of our lives. And they are also the things that connect our lives to the eternal. But of course, they're not most of what we do. You know, a very significant part of what we do is eating and sleeping. Necessary things that one has to do all the time. You know, I I live personally a life of very busyness and necessity all the time. And uh, my job is really great for me because it's, it's so organized that I get to do this. And that means for me to do anything for any length of time, it has to be significant part of one of two things my work, or my family, because that's all I do. And see, another thing is, a fair number of my friendships, almost all of them, are located in my work. And the work is the kind of thing that gives scope for that, right? Because what we do, right? And uh, it's, it's the subject matter we deal with. So, uh, so see that, in other words... Friendship is bounded by necessity, but it's a place that takes us up toward the eternal. And up toward the eternal, now that we're getting toward the end of the course, when we start out loving the good, we love it if a coffee cup is well-formed. Later, we discover that's a kind of image of the eternal, and there are much higher images than that, and we love them more. Pretty soon, it will happen to you. It'll happen to you in your 30s, probably the first time. Uh, 
you'll see your little child things. And uh, right now you might see them and be embarrassed by them. But later you'll see your little child things and you'll think, that was nice. And it's gone. And then later you'll see your children and they grow up. And if you see baby pictures of them or little child pictures. Children, by the way, are the most charming, in my opinion, from the time they get just big enough to throw, which is, you know, about two, something like that, one and a half, until they're about uh, 16. They're great after that. But uh, when they're 16, they still got that kind of blushing inexperience about them that's just charming and delightful. And then they're sort of not children anymore after that. Well, you think you won't miss the passing of that? And uh, so that means that as you go, you become increasingly interested in the things that abide and the things that point to the abiding things. And you will value the things in the past that indicated those, even though they have passed. And friendship is somebody you do that with. We talked about this before, but uh, I'll summarize and make this one last point. Um, Friendship is self-sufficient. It's a virtue and a love. And it might be love of the useful things. And it might be love of the pleasant things. And it might be love of the ultimate things, the ultimate virtues. And Aristotle says some dramatic things toward the end of this book. He says, if you lived in a place where everybody was in zealous competition for all the best things. So you see, it sounds like he's saying you're fighting over them, you're racing toward them, and only the winners get it. He said, in that case everyone would get everything they need. And that means that's another thing about friendship. In a relationship of justice, you get something and you give something, and they're supposed to be kind of equal. In friendship, the more you give, the more you get back. That's it for Episode 9 of the Hillsdale series on the ethics. Thanks for listening to the Hillsdale Dialogues presented by Hillsdale College. For more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, or Ricochet. For more information about Hillsdale College, head to hillsdale.edu.